supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420 WBSL presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. I threw you off there, Matt, with the, the switching you of did. the microphones. You, you switched it up. You know, though, that I love this microphone. It makes me sound like I have a deep, bassy voice. Makes me sound like uh, Isaac Hayes. <laughs> so should I should I start the show with the uh, with the story that happened earlier this week when uh, when I borrowed the Mickmobile and I first turned on the radio? All right, so anyway, I'm borrowing my friend's car while mine is uh, not working. And I, I turn on the radio, and he's got, uh, what was it, the UMass station? Is that what it was? The UMass yeah. Dharma station? As his first preset. So I hit the one, I turn the radio on, and what do I hear but the spooky South Coast theme song? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow, they started carrying our show without our knowing it, without our permission. So, uh... Uh, the song starts to, to trail on for about three or four minutes. So I'm like, okay, now I'm realizing this is either the extended remix edition of Spooky South Coast <laughs> or this is the original song. So, and that's uh, RJD2. Is that who that is, Matt? And it's yep. called The Horror. The Horror. So if you want to uh, download that, and of course, do it on iTunes and pay the, the 99 cents yeah, for it. We don't, you don't want to do it illegally. Yeah, we don't condone that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't condone the illegal use of copyrighted music. <clears throat> There's probably some archaic internet law that allows us to do it. Sure. All right. Well, anyway, that's my little story about that. But we are here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking with Tim Banal, the host and ringmaster of what's known as Banal of America. And it's it's basically, it says it right on the website, and they've got it correctly. It's an esoteric think tank. And uh, Tim is actually helping produce this year's Mass Monster Weekend. And we're going to talk about that. I'm sorry, Mass Mystery Weekend. We're going to talk about that with him, as well as what's going on with his show and what's going on in his world. Uh, the last time we had Tim here, we, we had him as our sit-in co-host, and we didn't get a chance to really get into the meat and potatoes of what it is that he does and what it is that Banal of America is all about. So we'll talk about all that and more. Uh, we've also got some interesting news coming up about that film Paranormal Activity, whether or not you'll get another chance to see it. Uh, we'll talk about the new program, Celebrity Ghost Stories, which debuted tonight. And I, I got to see a few minutes of it, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that. I'll save my thoughts for then because it's just another example of, of the mainstream absorbing the paranormal and, and what can happen when you start doing that and watering it down. We've got some news about Lizzie Borden, a couple of things about Lizzie Borden, surprisingly enough. And uh, also we're going to talk about Frozen Heads. It's going to be just a, a, a mishmash show where we're going to talk about all kinds of topics. And if you'd like to join in the discussion at any point during the night, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. That's that new toll-free line, 1-877-996-1420. So if you want to call in from wherever you are, uh, we'll pick up the cost of the call. And, of course, you can also email us, spookycrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We can get them right here in the Spooky Studio, read them on the air. And I want to say hi to Sean, who uh, already emailed us tonight, as he usually does. He's pretty early about emailing us about the show. 
and uh, we're, we're very uh, happy that we can get emails here in the studio, but that's because they're on my cell phone, and the internet access is still a little bit of a problem. So we're not running Spooky TV tonight because we we basically got to replace that that cord. Yeah, has a habit of popping out on us. So we're gonna get a new cord and get. Yeah, see that's the thing. We're more than happy to donate stuff to to the station, yeah. and if it's gonna help uh, help us in the production of this program, but you have to get special written permission from engineers and things to be able to actually install any of it or leave it there for them to do it whenever they're here. So yeah. it's, you know, it's we, we have every intention of doing things the correct way. So we don't want to step on anybody's toes or step on anybody's Doritos or anything like that. So, all right. Well, why don't we get right into the discussion with Tim Benal then. The website is banalofamerica.com. It's linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com because he helped us make SpookySouthCoast.com. How are you tonight, Tim? What's going on, Weisberg? How you doing, buddy? What's going on, Matt Costa? How are you, What's man? I, I gotta say, you know, you've you've reached that level of I think it's you and Constantinos who are the only people that are in this world that can get away with just using one name. <laughs> well, I tried to go by just one name for as long as I could, and eventually the first name kept getting stuck onto it, so I've begrudgingly accepted uh, the full name Tim Benal. But yeah, it seems kind of weird that we've managed to keep it going this long. Well, there's nothing wrong with your first name. I mean, I'm a fan. No, it's cool. It's cool. I don't know. It was just accidental anyway, posting around on message boards and stuff as banal, and then, you know, one thing led to another. This whole operation is all organic, pretty much. Well, that's that's what's really interesting. How did you get involved with producing the program? Because, as I said earlier, you know, when we had you in here, we, we took advantage of the fact that you are a, a show host and had you jump in as our co-host. We didn't really get to talk to you about the history of Banal of America. Oh, man. Um, Let me see where it all starts, you know. Well, I was a huge, oh, still am, obviously, uh, a huge Coast to Coast fan. And, um, you know, I always had questions for the guests and stuff, and I never really wanted to go through the rigmarole of calling in and just having one question. You never know if you're going to, like, botch it or something, you know, because it's like national radio, so you might freak out and stuff and, you know, be all all upset. Um, And... uh, I was going down to the X conference in 2005 and uh, did some on-site interviews there and had really enjoyed um, actually this wrestling website that pretty simply just posted MP3s of, uh, you know, commentary and analysis and stuff like that. And it was so simple that, uh, you know, I said that it's got to be just as easy to make a radio show that way. And that's pretty much how Banal of America started. And this was just as the podcast thing really was beginning, and now, of course, there's, you know, dozens to hundreds of paranormal podcasts out there. But when I started, there was really only a few. I really didn't have too many other uh, places to look at how to do things. Isn't it kind of crazy that uh, when it comes to the world of podcasting and, and what we've been able to do with it, we, we all have uh, Adam, what's his name, from MTV to thank for that. What was his name, Matt? Adam what? what? The Bon Jovi guy from MTV. Adam something. Oh come on! The guy that looked like he looked like he was a member of Bon Jovi. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I can't think of his last name. He's the guy that invented podcasting, more or less. So we've got him to thank for it. That's true. And now is that Matt Moniz in the background? Matt Moniz is actually taking the night off. Oh, okay. Because uh, we normally when he's not here, we say he's in the field because normally he is in the field. But I'm not even going to pretend tonight. Tonight he's partying. 
Well, good for him. Yeah, he's getting a well-deserved night off, and I, I know he's going to be busy uh, helping out with the Mass Mystery Weekend, so we, we figure let him have a Saturday night off while he can. Exactly, because, yeah, we're really going to put him through the ringer in a couple of weeks. Well, let's 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 talk about that. Before, I mean, There's I want to talk to talk about, so we can just keep bouncing around. Don't worry about it, buddy. Adam Curry, that's Adam right. Curry. There you go, Adam Curry. Good thing the station computer works for internet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks, Adam Curry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's waiting something. around now for that. Thanks yeah. after we first got his name wrong. Well, I, I'm, I'm guessing he probably listens to every single podcast in the world and says, "I'm part of that." That's true. It's like googling yourself, except we we actually gave him credit, so now he's like, "I love that show." Absolutely, and and we too like Bon Jovi. So, <laughs> and half uh, three three uh, two thirds of our staff do in fact look like members of Bon Jovi as well. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Mass Mystery Weekend is coming up, and and this is going to be probably the best one yet. I'm guessing because each year it gets bigger and better, and now you're helping out with the production of it, and it's going to be three big events: Friday, October 16th, Saturday, October 17th. And Sunday the 18th. Don't make any plans because you're going to want to be a part of this. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Let me plug the website quick so folks who are intrigued can jump on while they're listening to us. It's massmystery.com. Pretty simple, all one word, massmystery.com. Um, you know, John has been doing the event for the last three years. This is the fourth year, and uh, we kind of had become friends over the last few years, and he really wanted to bring me aboard to try and a little hustle behind the event, uh, you know, because it had fallen kind of under the radar in the last few years with there's so many events and stuff. And an event of this magnitude really is at least a two-man job. And poor John was doing it by himself with obviously a lot of help from his wonderful wife, Jenny. So those two were doing, you know, all the work for the last three years. And he's brought me in to really pick up a lot of slack and and try and, you know, get the word out about this event. And, uh, you know, all the t- all last few years it was mass UFO show slash Mass Monster Mash. So this year, you know, we're bringing it all under the umbrella of the Mass Mystery Weekend and adding the tour event on Sunday and really trying to make more of a, you know, a big event out of it. And the good thing about it now is with a three-day event, it gives people a reason if they're not local. I mean, it's been a huge local event. The local paranormal community knows about it and they swear oh, by yeah. it, but now it's a reason to come here from other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Absolutely, for sure. And, and the really cool thing about the event, too, is... Uh, you know, the Friday night event starts at 7 p.m. You know, you can probably show up at about 6 if you want. That's always the better time, really, to show because then you can meet a lot of people and sort of hobnob and stuff before the, the thing begins. But officially, you know, it kicks off at 7. Saturday kicks off at 5 p.m. And the Sunday event is like at 2 in the afternoon. So if you're coming in from out of town, that gives you a lot of cool downtime to explore Boston and and, you know, enjoy all the great stuff here in the Boston area. And uh, if you're into the historical stuff, you know, there's all kinds of stuff you can check out. Uh, yeah, I believe Lizzie Borden tours start at 10 a.m. on Sunday, so you'd have plenty of time to go check that out and still make it uh, to Random Park by 2 o'clock. But it, the the good thing about this, too, is you're not trying to shove everything. By spreading it over three days, you're not trying to shove all these topics into one uh, particular night. You're not trying to, to throw everything down people's throats all at the same time, and they're able to digest each topic individually. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of time for these topics to, like, really stretch out and breathe and uh, gives the people who are attending a lot of time to meet the speakers and stuff. Because I find with the events that I go to and stuff, uh, people really want to – meeting the speakers is, is at uh, – I'm getting all tongue-tied here. Meeting the speakers is as uh, important to them as it is to see the presentations. Mm-hmm. So for someone – who's coming in from out of town or even from someone in the area, you know, to get a chance to meet Nick Redfern and talk to him 
uh, you know, and maybe share your theories with him or ask him questions, almost to throw back to, you know, what I was saying about me starting my own show. A lot of people have questions for these guys, but don't ever really get the chance to ask them, you know. And if you attend the event, you'll see their presentations and you'll get plenty of time to talk to them too, which is huge because, you know, somebody like Lauren Coleman is, uh, you know, an all-time legend. So to be able to meet him and run your theories of Bigfoot by him or ask him questions about, you know, cryptozoology stuff, you know, for some people that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Absolutely. And one thing I didn't realize uh, until I met him in person was I didn't realize what a huge baseball fan he was. I mean, I, I knew that he liked the Red Sox, but I didn't know that he was as huge a fan. And, and to sit there and actually have the chance to watch part of a game with him was, was pretty special and unique. Oh, yeah. Lauren is a huge Red Sox fan. I actually was laughing about it uh, when I was talking to somebody else about, about my friendship with Lauren because we spend more time emailing each other about the Red Sox than we do about anything <laughs> esoteric at all. Well, and that's, but I mean, that's to be expected too. I mean, w once you actually get a chance to meet these speakers and you get the chance to develop, you develop a friendship with them, you develop a, a, a communication with them and you keep in contact. And that's something that, you know, these other events that I've seen and that I've been a part of, they kind of sterilize things a little bit. And with the with the Mystery Weekend and with the speakers that are involved, it's just everybody's in one room together. It's not like you're going up to a table and saying, can you please sign my book? You're hanging out. You're having a snack together. You're, you're going out for a cigarette together. It's just real organic, like you said. Absolutely, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's really It was really quite enjoyable. And that's, you know, why I agreed to kind of join up here with John to do it. If I didn't enjoy it, you know, if I was kind of like, eh, I could give or take that, I'd probably come up with some reason why I couldn't do it. But I really enjoyed the event so much in the last couple of years that to be able to be a part of it more and to put my stamp on it and trying to open it up to so many more people in the area and, of course, around the country and stuff, you know, that's an opportunity you just can't pass up. Now, i got to make a note of some news. I'll break some news here on the show, actually, Excellent. for you guys. Um we actually had some unfortunate news, a cancellation uh, for Friday night. Nancy Talbot's not going to be able to attend the UFO show this year. She's fallen ill. Uh, we wish her the best and hopefully you know, a, a speedy recovery, and we want to bring her back, of course, for the 2010 event. Um, and in place of her, we're going to have a panel discussion on UFOs. And really, up until the last 24 hours, I had been kind of content to hang in the background for this event. Um, and let John do a lot of the hosting and speaking. And, you know, you know, most people, if they're hardcore SSC listeners, they know of John Horgan and his, you know, he's over the top. He's amazing. He is. Um, and he's the perfect host, of course, for an event like this. Uh, but since we lost Nancy here for the event, uh, John's going to expand his discussion into a more free-flowing, like, lengthier piece on the 42 L.A. Air Raid and black helicopters and stuff like that. And then I'm going to host the overall event and uh, host a panel discussion at the end on UFOs with Nick, with Peter, with John, and some special guests. You know, people, maybe Matt Moniz, will have him join in. And I know some folks who are going to be at the uh, Saturday night event, like Lauren and Chris Balzano, maybe we'll throw a question to them in the audience. We'll try and do something unique and different with the panel discussion at the end. And I mean, like you said, it is unfortunate that Nancy can't make it. But the the addition of of that factor of having that panel discussion, it's it's something that a lot of other events would kind of be afraid to do because it is so free form. And, and it's a credit to John Horrigan and, and the type of guy who he is that when he founded this this conference, he founded this event. He didn't want to make it one of those sterile events. You know, he, I'm sure he sees the pretentiousness in in some of these things, and he kind of wiped all that away. And and naturally, bringing you on board, there's there's not going to be any pretentiousness allowed. Yeah, we really didn't want to be like a lot of these other events. And, you know, you look at some of these 
speaker events and stuff, and you know we're charging twenty five bucks a ticket. That's pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, there was an event in the Boston area in June regarding twenty twelve that had I think like three or four speakers, and they were charging over a hundred bucks for a ticket. Yeah, that's you know so. Uh, we want everybody to be able to attend. We want, like, everybody in the area to be able to come out, you know. Uh, 25 bucks a ticket, that's pretty good. And I can't really, you know, we got to pay these people, obviously, to come <laughs> to come to speak, so we can't just let you in for free. So, you know, 25 bucks is uh, a really good deal, I think. And then if you want to attend more events and stuff, the price just keeps going down. So That's what people don't understand, though, is that when you have an event like this, You've got to pay these people. You've got to pay expenses. I mean, you're not just grabbing people who live in Watertown to come in and, and talk. These are people who are coming from all over the place. And so you've got to handle that end of things. And Hibernian Hall is a, a small venue. It's an intimate venue. So there's only so many tickets that you can sell anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's a lot of, uh, you know, I've never had to deal with this sort of budgetary type stuff that's going on with this event. So it's a whole new education for me, but it's something I've definitely been interested in. So the Friday night show, October 16th, that starts at 7 p.m., and you're going to have Nick Redfern, Peter Robbins, John Horrigan, and then you said yourself will be hosting that panel discussion. Yeah. Then on Saturday night, starting at 5, so I guess Saturday afternoon, you'll have Lauren Coleman, Nick Redfern will come back, Chris Balzano, and Jeff Belanger will be there. Absolutely. I mean, that's star-studded top to bottom. So, And this is Chris's big return to Massachusetts after a year, so I know a lot of folks who are longtime listeners to your show and who are part of the scene here in the New England area know well of Chris's amazing work and stuff, and this is your chance to see him again after a lengthy absence. And for those of you who have been trying to, you know, I get emails constantly and phone calls from people who want to have Chris sign their book and can't understand why he's not around anymore, and then I guess, well, he lives in Florida now. So if this is your chance to not only, I'm sure he'll have copies there for sale, but if you already do have it, bring it by, have him sign it, and Jeff will be there as well, and I know they'll have plenty of Sharpies with them. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, I'm excited about it. I love all the speakers who are coming out. They're all good friends of mine. So, you know, to be able to have them in town and stuff, and, you know, an added bonus for me that a lot of people don't know is Nick and Peter are both staying at my house for the weekend. So, oh, cool. you know, if you think the panel discussion we're going to have on, <laughs> on, <laughs> on Friday night is exciting, you should see uh, – the private panel discussion is going to take place after a few beers and stuff. <laughs> that, that is that is probably uh, probably a conversation I'd like to be a fly on the wall for because you've got some some great minds of, of you know UFO culture and UFO knowledge, and at the same time you've got three guys who I'm sure can kick back and party as well. Yeah, they're good guys. They're good guys. They're chill. They're a lot like me. So you know we have a lot of fun and stuff, and it's just cool just to be able to uh, have that downtime. You know where you're just sitting around and, and part-talking shop and just part-talking about stuff that has nothing to do with the paranormal. It's just, you know, a real experience that is a cool benefit of, you know, producing the show, I guess. Now, the mystery tour, uh, that that's going to be the, the most intriguing aspect for a lot of people who are, are hearing this program each week and hearing people talk about some of these sites and locations and, and different paranormal phenomena that have taken place. But they, they get out there in the car and they start driving around and they say, well, I can't find this place. I don't know where the Hockamocks are. I don't know where this is. I don't know where that is. So you're going to get a guided tour that you don't even have to worry about driving. You can you know, pretty much just sit back and absorb. What What's some of the things that are on tap for the mystery tour? Uh, let me take a look here because I know John is really the man behind the, uh, the mystery tour. But we're going to uh, stop where they found the recent Bridgewater Bigfoot cast. I don't know if you heard about that whole news. I didn't realize. Bigfoot just left a cast there for them? 
apparently, well, someone <laughs> took a cast of a Bigfoot print. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, and it was kind of big news in, in August of '09. There's a video up on YouTube of, of uh, the guy bringing the cast around and stuff and showing us. Uh, he's actually going to be, I believe, at the at the Monster Mash on Saturday night, and he's going to show us where he found the Bigfoot print Okay. Uh, during the bus tour. And then let me see here, uh, Lake Nippeneket. It's uh, part of the Hockamock Swamp wetland. It's also the site of purported paranormal activity such as orbs, UFOs, Bigfoot, and lake monsters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll be honest. I really uh, am very unfamiliar with a lot of the area. Let's see another one here. The Hornbine School, 19th century schoolhouse that is purportedly haunted. So we're going to stop by there. Real creepy reports coming out of there that you sometimes you look in the windows and you still see class in session. Oh, geez. I hope that happens while we're out there. <laughs> So, I mean, those are just three of them. They're on the blog, actually. If you go to uh, massmystery.com and then just go to latest news at the top there, John's been posting a lot of stuff there, especially some of these destinations and stuff. And we really wanted to add that in to make it even more unique of an event overall, you know, because just doing two nights, that's not much of a weekend thing. But once you add in that tour on the Sunday afternoon, then it really sort of all comes together as a weekend festival of sorts. And I can tell you, folks, from working with John Horrigan in the past on, on some of our Bridgewater Triangle shows and our Haunted Tour of Route 44 shows, that when this man makes an itinerary, oh yeah, he makes sure that he gets the maximum amount of punch out of that time that he has. And he's going to make sure that this tour is phenomenal, and he's going to have all the information readily available, uh, mainly because it's all in his head. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think, like you said, for people like like me, I'm in the same position. You know, I couldn't take you personally to any of these places, but John knows them, and he knows the history behind them, and he's already, you know, mapped out the trip and stuff. So, and Peter Robbins and Nick Redfern are going to come along on the trip, and so you know, during that downtime that might take place between stops and stuff, I'm sure there'll be a lot of cool discussion going on. So I don't think it'll ever be boring at all during the trip because there's going to be a lot going on throughout the whole experience. And that's interesting, too, because we, we've heard pretty much all the local uh, authorities on some of this stuff uh, through this program, through your, through all these different discussion formats that we've had, uh, whether it be websites or, or people's books or whatever. We've heard what all the people in this area have to say. So to bring Nick and Peter in and kind of get their take on outsiders into some of the reports, and that's, you know, like a lot of the work Chris Balzano does. That's when you start to find out that a lot of these stories are similar in a lot of these places. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really strange. I'd be interested to see how many Bridgewater Triangles there are out there in, in the world and in the country and stuff. You know, it may just be like every state has one. At that point, you got to wonder <laughs> if, if there really is something to it or if there's if this is something that we need to, like, take a closer look at, these hotspots. Yeah, it could be just a simple matter of the – it's just a remote location that, you know, this stuff can manifest without the daily grind of everyday life getting in the way. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I'm looking forward to the tour, especially. Uh, well, we did one in August into the Bridgewater Triangle, and, and John really managed that whole thing. That's kind of what made us decide that we could do this and, and we could add it to the event because uh, the one in August was a lot of fun, and people seemed to have a great time and stuff. And I said, you know, let's add this to the to the Mass Mystery Weekend because, you know, like I said earlier, it will really tie the whole thing together. Now, now, tickets for the Mystery Tour, those are $35. Yeah. And yeah. does does that include a bottle of Deep Woods off? Because we're having a real <laughs> problem with Triple E around here. I'll make sure we make note of that. 
So. <laughs> All right. Hopefully we get a frost before then, and it'll kill some of these mosquitoes anyway. I'm hoping. I'm hoping, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a good point. It was pretty mosquito-ridden in August when we went, so I'll have to keep that in mind because I don't need triple E. No, it's not fun. All right, so Friday, October 16th, 7 p.m., Saturday, October 17th, 5 p.m., those events will be at Hibernian Hall in Watertown. Then Sunday the 18th, the Mass Mystery Tour departs from Raynham Park. You know that. This one we used to have dog racing here in Massachusetts. It used to be a, a pretty popular place for that. Now it's just the meetup place for the Mass Mystery Tour. So yeah, equal, absolutely. Equally as important. So uh, tickets for those, $25 for the two events in Watertown, 35 for the tour. All the information is on massmystery.com. If you want to purchase your tickets, I suggest doing so now because they are going to go fast as we get closer. Because, you know, now that it's October, people are starting to think about this stuff. The end of September, they were like, oh, that's, you know, that's still plenty of time away. But now we're coming up on it. I mean, I, I didn't even realize it was October until this morning. I know. I know. September really flew by. It's kind of scary. And it makes me even more worried that we're not going to get enough out of the next 30 days. Enough of what? And Just enough of <laughs> the stuff that we love that happens during October. It's just we're going to get pulled in so many different directions. It'll be all over the place. And before we know it, it'll be trick-or-treating time, and then the regular folk won't care anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I do love the holidays, though, so. Yeah, that's true. I guess I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess I can just start the countdown to Thanksgiving. Exactly. Which exactly. any holiday that's all about football and eating is fine with me. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, you know. Well, we're going to have to take a break for the news because even though we had to start late, we still have to take the news. That's, that's perfectly the, fine. The rules here. So the one good thing about podcasting is you don't have to worry about that. But here uh, here on the terrestrial station, we, you know, we're, we're required. So we'll do that. When we come back, we'll do our new segment, The Week in Weird. The, the podcast people, Matt they don't understand what goes into it because we give them a nice, clean show. You know, they don't understand the, just the, the difficulties of, of doing this. <laughs> we always, we often talk about just doing it such as yourself in, in podcast-only format, but I don't know. We're, we're old school, I guess. Yeah, they have their pros and cons on both sides. Well, we love our local listeners, too, and we have a, a great deal of listeners that don't have access to computers, so we're glad we can still bring them the program. That's excellent. We are coming back in just a few minutes, and we'll talk about the weekend weird. I've got a baseball story that I want to share with Tim, knowing that he's a baseball fan. I want to talk to him about this news, and we'll find out more about Banal of America. We'll also take your calls, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420, emails, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, and you can go to that website for all things about the show during the Halloween season. And also twitter.com slash spooky SC. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. I know who you are. Spooky South Coast. That's a good show, man. You know what? I got a theory about your show. You guys got no idea what's going on. Well, excuse me for having enormous flaws that I don't work on. Spooky South Coast is back. The key to the whole thing is to think as a child. And for me, that comes very easy. I'm not afraid. You will be. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.
Don't worry, Matt Costa. If there's a gas leak, it'll just make the show more entertaining. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Science advisor, Matt Moniz, is partying hard, taking a well-deserved night off. He's uh, He's got some celebrating to do with a friend, and so, uh, you know, we're glad that uh, he gets the night off. He didn't have to actually drive me here for change, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was gonna well, say we he could. He might be listening right now. I was gonna say we could call him, but he might not be in a, a state to talk on the phone right now. You know, use your imaginations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got just a couple of quick things I want to hit on here before we get into the week and weird, and then back into the discussion with Tim Banal of Banal of America. And uh, while we're doing so, you can go to his website, banalofamerica.com. B I two N's a two L's and it's linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com right at the bottom there and right on the this week's show part too. It's pretty uh it's a pretty lofty position to be the only person with a permanent link on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com. Right? You, you agree? Yeah. All right. That's true. Page five under Paranormal Radio. That's true. On Google. Keep keep googling we, us. We folks. keep we keep flowing on that page yeah, five. Yeah. Sometimes we're at the top, sometimes we're at the bottom. We want to break into page four territory, then we'll be uh, then we'll be all set. We got to throw a party. All right. Well, here's here's some some stuff we want to go over really quick. Ten more cities will be added to the list of uh, cities where you can catch the movie Paranormal Activity beginning on Monday. Boston is currently ranked at number ten. So if you like your chance to see Paranormal Activity, if you've missed it, and again the reviews keep coming in and they're all great. Everything that I've heard about this movie is good, and uh, I checked with uh, some people on the inside earlier this week. Still no plans of releasing it on a major basis, but uh, as of right now, it's currently ranked at number 10 to get a, a limited release in Boston. <clears throat> Excuse me. Vote by going to ParanormalMovie.com, and that's where you can uh, select through this program they have called Eventful, where you'll actually get the opportunity to put uh, your, your city in there and, you know, hopefully make it onto the list so 10 more cities added monday also uh tonight was the debut of celebrity ghost stories on bio the biography channel and uh i, I read something that said david carradine was going to be in the first episode of celebrity ghost stories i'm wondering is he a celebrity or is he a ghost uh, too soon no but no, uh not my book and it's interesting because he hasn't been in any of the promos that i've seen because i watch a lot of the bio channel for not only for the paranormal programming that it has but also i i like biography so uh and he hasn't been in any of the, the promos for it, so I was kind of surprised to find out he was going to be in it. I started watching it earlier tonight because, you know, naturally it's on up against Spooky South Coast every week, so we suggest that you tape it and watch it later yeah. or, or record it at a different time. But uh, I, I was watching something with uh, Gina Gershon. You know Gina Gershon, the actress? Uh, no. Pretty hot. Okay. Even my wife was commenting on how hot she is, yeah. So, uh, you get a computer. Gina <laughs> Gershon. So, uh, <laughs> I... um. I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm realizing, I'm wondering how good the celebrity ghost story show is going to be if they're carting a bunch of actors and actresses out there. Because even at their you know, most rudimentary, an actor or actress must be able to convey a pretty convincing telling of a ghost story. It doesn't mean that you know, I, I'm going to buy it, but at least it will be uh, engaging. And I, I wonder if that's what they're counting on. So then I go and I look and I see some of these other guests that they have on there. And, and Matt, you're going to like this. Sammy Hagar. Apparently really? had a paranormal really? uh, encounter. Belinda Carlisle. And I, I'm not sure if it's before or after she was hooked on drugs, you know, or during. So 
we'll have to find out when we watch that episode coming up. And, and uh, also, I know your hero, your personal hero, <laughs> Ernie Hudson. <laughs> and by no stretch of the imagination could yeah. I call him an actor, so I think he's going to come across. But it's pretty, I'm just kidding. We love Ernie Hudson. We do. He's the man. So uh, that's Celebrity Ghost Stories. That's on bio. You can check that out now. Uh, also, uh, a couple of events coming up related to Lizzie Borden that we want to tell you about. Lizzie Borden and A Tale of Two Cities, it's an art exhibit coming up at Gallery X in New Bedford, 169 William Street in New Bedford. Uh, it's going to be October 14th through November 15th, 2009. There'll be an artist reception Saturday, October 17th at 7 to 10 p.m., but you'll be busy going to the Mass Mystery, uh, Mass Monster Mash that night. So, But uh, for more information, go to galleryx.org or call 508-992-2675. Uh, the exhibit, Lizzie Boyd and Tale of Two Cities, is open to all artists, local and otherwise. All submissions must pertain to Lizzie and or the Borden tragedy. The limit is three pieces per artist at $10 a piece. Gallery X will receive a 35% commission on any sales. The show opens October 14th. The opening reception will be October 17th. The deadline for entries is Sunday, October 11th, between the hours of 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at Gallery X. So, uh, again, galleryx.org, 508-992-2675. Also on Halloween night, again, you're going to be busy listening to this program because we're going to have that night of, of spooky ghost stories that we'll be sharing with everybody. But uh, you don't want to miss this if you are out of the range of our listenership or you catch us on podcast. Lizzie Borden Live is going to be at the Eagle Performing Arts Center, 35 North Main Street, second floor in Fall River. Doors open at 7 p.m., general admission. Uh, if you'd like to come dress as your favorite character from the story or any costume you wish, there will be prizes for best costume. Grand prize is one night stay at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. Second prize is a one-year subscription to the Hatchet, which is the quarterly Lizzie Borden Journal. And third prize is two tickets for the Providence Ghost Tour. Tickets are $25. Go to LizzieBordenLive.com, or you can call 508-989-9207. $5 off, too, for students, seniors, and current union members available at the door only. Uh, then Friday, October 23rd, Lizzie will be making an appearance at the Providence Ghost Tour. Go to ProvidenceGhostTour.com for more on that. That'll be our friend Jill Dalton, the actress who plays Lizzie. And on Monday, 26th of October, she'll be giving a lecture, uh, Lizzie Borden Live from Page to Stage, sponsored by the Fall River Historical Society at Bristol Community College in the Siegel Health Technologies Building, room C11. The lecture begins at 6.30, and admission is free. So there you go. A bunch of events coming up already that we have to promote. We're going to be doing this all month long. We're going to be sharing with you a bunch of different things that are going on uh, throughout the course of October. And if you'd like to find out some of those events, well, just pick up the latest issue of South Coast Insider Magazine. The October issue features a story on South Coast Ghosts, written by our friend Bob Ekstrom, who sat in with us a few weeks ago. And Bob explores the Lizzie Borden story. Uh, he speaks with Chris Moon, talks about Frank's Box and Ghost Hunters University. Uh, he also spoke with our friends Eric Lavoie and, uh, of uh, Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team and Luann Jolly of Wailing City Ghosts. And he really gets into some of the stories that are going around on the South Coast and, and some of the local haunts and legends and, and the different events that are going on during October. And, you know, he talks about a certain paranormal radio show. That covers South Coast Ghosts as well. So, um, I'm not sure the name of it, <laughs> but uh, from what I understand, it's phenomenal. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty <laughs> good. All right. Well, that uh, that's all the plugging we have to do for this week. Well, maybe not. We'll 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 probably plug ourselves some more. South Coast Insider copies are available right here in the WBSM lobby. There's some right up there on the desk. I know Bob said he's going to be bringing some by. 
for us, I grabbed some at the uh, Buttonwood Park Zoo. They're all over the place, and they're free. So take one for yourself and bring one to a friend and, and uh, share the story of South Coast Ghosts. But if you, if you want to get some, they are here in the lobby. Stations open during business hours, and, you know, we'll, we'll be here till 12. Yeah. So. All right. We're going to we're gonna be getting up constantly, handing out free magazines. We're going to run out of the supply. All right, well, let's get a little weird. If you want to, that is. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today. It's a wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> The Week in Weird. All right, well, before we get into The Week in Weird, I just want to uh, touch on something that we kind of overlooked last week. We were so busy with our evidence show from the Quickishant Club that I didn't really get an opportunity to discuss this. But a few weeks ago, while we were here live on the air, uh, we were getting a number of reports, including one from WBSM Afternoon host Ken Pittman, uh, about a UFO in the sky. And it was seen all over the place. We were getting uh, reports from Framingham, reports from uh, Pembroke, Marshfield area. We were getting just everybody had seen this thing. Uh, some mysterious lights in the sky, uh, something shooting up and coming down with like a cone shape to it. It, it was a, a very detailed report coming from a number of what we consider to be reliable sources. When I got home, I immediately started scouring the internet to see if there had been similar reports. It was all over the place. I mean, message boards were lit up discussing what had been seen. And it wasn't until about, I think it was like 1.30 in the morning, when finally on the uh, bostonchannel.com, Channel 5's website, I finally saw a story that explained what had gone on. NASA had sent up a, a rocket with some uh, weather equipment that was supposed to test clouds. And so that's why it went up so high into the atmosphere, and that's why it created its own cloud behind it. So uh, that's what people have been seeing. That's the official explanation. And from all the research that I've done, that seems to work for me. Uh, it explains a lot of the reports. But it was the first case of us getting live reports while we're on the air. So we definitely encourage people anytime that, uh, that they see something to feel free to call in and share. And we will do our best to figure out what's going on. And there's a, a network of people that we can put on the case. All right. So my week and weird story for this week comes from the Irish Independent. Visitors to a remote grotto have claimed a statue wept and crosses appeared and disappeared in the night sky this week. A group of 14 people who had gathered at the statue of the Virgin Mary in a rocky outcrop near the town of Dunglo uh, on Tuesday night were transfixed as they watched the phenomenon, which they said lasted almost an hour. Uh, according to James Boyle, who watched it with his wife Margaret and their children, it was a crazy evening. I, it was absolutely amazing. I'm still on an emotional high. All but one person seemed to see the same thing, he said. The shrine is visited by thousands of pilgrims annually after first becoming the subject of a relig religious apparition 70 years ago. Uh, the group had been drawn there last Tuesday night because of a claim by a faith healer named Joe Coleman that the Virgin Mary had told him in a channeled message that she would appear at the shrine on September 29th at 8 p.m. So they went there, and uh, they were only there for a few minutes before someone had shouted, look up. To the left of the cross, another cross appeared in the sky, and soon it disappeared, and another one appeared. That lasted about 10 minutes. Then people began noticing that the white statue with its red heart had begun changing color and form. She appeared to have a human face and her head turned and she looked at people. 
She looked down at the children who were at the front. One woman explained how the statue began crying, and she went up to dry the tears and said the tears were actually running down from the statue's eyes. Speaking to the Irish Independent, Mr. Coleman said that the Virgin Mary, who has been appearing to him for many years, had communicated to him that she would make herself known that day. He passed on the details of that message to a small group of people who attended a healing service that he had organized last June. He added that a lot of priests in the county did not believe he was doing his healing work for the love of God. The parish priest, Father Seamus Meehan, said that uh, there had been talk about the Carytown Grotto for years, but that he was actually skeptical of it. So, you know, we, we tend to kind of not carry a lot of these religious stories because to some people they feel it's a, it's a personal experience and it's not to be discussed and broken down. But here you have a faith healer who made this promise that this stuff was going to happen at a particular time on a particular day, which to me makes it really easy for him to set it up. However, he may have done it. Uh, he definitely knew what time people were going to be there, and therefore it, it makes it more likely that he could have pulled this stuff off. That's I mean, true. And I know that, you know, Matt, you're a, a bigger skeptic than I am, so uh, I'm, I'm sure you're not really buying into this from the start, but yeah. uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things that could have uh, explained, like with the cross in the sky, that could have been light refraction, you know, using the cross that was already there. The statue is pretty interesting, but... yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you start to wonder if people just get into that euphoric state, almost like a hypnagogic state of uh, extreme faith. And... All right, let's yes. just let's just move on before we get phone calls. <laughs> what do you have right. for us? I was gonna say, should we have a uh, Dr. Terry comment? <laughs> that's gonna uh... that's gonna generate calls. <laughs> All right, this is from uh, Time.com. Uh, countless medical studies have concluded that playing too many video games can be harmful to one's health. I haven't seen any of them. Bullcrap! That's what I said. I call bullcrap. <laughs> now, however, it turns out that one of one of the more popular video, video game consoles on the market, the Xbox 360, can be used to save lives. A computer scientist at the University of Warwick in England has devised a way to use an Xbox 360 to detect heart defects and help prevent heart attacks. The new tool has, has the potential to revolutionize the medical industry be, because it is both faster and cheaper than computer systems that are currently used by scientists to perform complex heart research. The system detailed in, this, this, in a study in the August edition of Journal of Computational Biology and Chemistry is based on a video game demo created by Simon Scarl two years ago when he was a software engineer at Microsoft's Rare Studio. Scarl modified the chip in the console so that instead of producing graphics for the chip uh, for the game, it now delivers data tracking how electrical sign signals in the heart move around damaged cardiac cells. This creates a model, a model of the heart that allows doctors to I identify heart defects and conditions. The Xbox 360 isn't the only video game console that is being used for scientific research. At the University of Massachusetts campus in Dartmouth, scientists are using a Sony PlayStation to simulate a black hole collision to try to solve the mystery of what happens when a supermassive black hole swallows a star. So, PlayStation you know, 3 I, can do everything. I've been meaning to... Uh... 
I've been meaning to try to get a hold of the people over at UMass Dartmouth about that Sony study. Uh, originally because they were getting all kinds of uh, Sony PlayStation 3s donated to them yeah. for the use of that. And I just want to know if they I had any scrap parts. Some extra ones. Yeah. Well, because I know that you had some ideas. <laughs> that uh, That's what I was talking about. I know that you had some ideas about uh, what you could do with, <laughs> with some of those parts. So, uh, you know, first of all, I, I totally disagree with the idea that video games are, are bad for your health. Right. And, I, I mean, as soon as I can get my fat ass up off the chair and put the <laughs> controller down, I intend to fully go on the Internet and, and disprove those claims. Yes. All right. Well, that is The Week and Weird for this week. If you have a story you'd like to submit for The Week and Weird, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the Forum tab, go to The Week and Weird thread. You can drop it in there. Or, you know, you can also email it to us, too. SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And if we use it on the air, we'll send you a bumper sticker. Do we, do we have any bumper stickers left? I think we have a few left. There may yeah. be a few, so time is running short. All right. Why don't we take a break? Okay. When we come back, we'll talk more with Tim Banal about Banal of America. Again, MassMystery.com, that's the website if you want to get a hold of uh, some tickets for the Mass Mystery Weekend. Friday, October 16th, the Mass UFO Show. Saturday, October 17th, the Mass Monster Mash. And Sunday, the 18th, the Mass Mystery Tour. So MassMystery.com, that's the place to go. And also BanalofAmerica.com, there's a, there's a little clickable GIF, I guess you would call it, right there where you can log on there as well. So, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more with Tim, and we'll take your calls as well. 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420, and we'll be right back with more here on Spooky Southwest. your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, welcome back to the show. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And we, we didn't really put it in the week in weird, because it's not really... Um, I don't know. It's it. I, I don't know how I feel about this story uh, being in that weak and weird format. But a new this is from the Associated Press. A new book by a former employee of Alcor, which is the cryogenics company that uh, froze Ted Williams' head. Uh, he this this is just a crazy story. Let me let me let me just give you the details of this and. <sighs> The Hall of Famer's body was mistreated by the company, according to this former employee of Alcor. Uh, now, for those unfamiliar, his, his body was frozen uh, by his son, John Henry Williams, upon his death with the idea that they could hold on to his DNA and hopefully someday resurrect him or clone him or whatever. I don't know, whatever they're going to do. So uh, it, the heads and bodies are stored separately, along with those of cats, dogs, and other pets stored in stainless steel containers at extremely cold temperatures. So this guy, Larry Johnson, has a book coming out called Frozen, My Journey into the World of Cryonics, Deception, and Death. And he says that he watched an Alcor official swing a monkey wrench at William's frozen severed head to try to remove a tuna can stuck to it. The first swing accidentally struck the head, Johnson contends, and the second knocked the tuna can loose. Uh, Alcor, of course, denied such allegations. But Johnson said he worked for Alcor for eight months in 2003, first as clinical director and then as C COO. 
Uh, he included several photographs on his book, including one of an upside-down severed head, not Williams's, that had been that had what appeared to be a tuna can attached to it. So Johnson said that Alcor used the cans from a cat that lived on the premises as pedestals for holding up the frozen heads. Ted Williams' head was being transferred from one container to another when the monkey wrench incident took place. Uh, the disembodied face was set in that awful frozen scream that looked nothing like any picture of Ted Williams I've ever seen, Johnson wrote. He said that uh, the Alcor employee grabbed the monkey wrench, heaved a mighty swing, missed the tuna can, and complete missed the tuna can completely, but hit hit the head dead center. Tiny pieces of frozen head sprayed around the room. Uh, Johnson also contends there was a significant crack in Williams's head. He also repeated an allegation that he made earlier that samples of Williams' DNA are missing from the facility. Uh, he actually wore a wire the last few months of his employee uh, of his employment and was a source for a story in Sports Illustrated in August 2003 that said that Ted Williams' head had been severed and damaged. Uh, so Johnson's book, uh, I believe it comes out on Tuesday, and I believe he's going to be on Nightline that night to discuss it as well. So uh, there you go, though. I mean, that's just a crazy story. And I know Tim Banal is a big baseball fan and a big Red Sox fan, so let's bring Tim in and, and just see what he thinks about this story. Tim, have you have you heard this story? I, I know that you do a lot of the, uh, the the news searching online, and you must have come across the story about Ted Williams' frozen head. Yeah, I saw it on PTI, actually, uh, on Friday. And, just, I mean, as a, as a fan and, and just as a human being, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's horrific. It's it's really uh, it's disgusting, but in a way not surprising, really. Though, if you think about just society nowadays and that morose humor that a lot of people have, you well, know what I mean. And and where is this thing in California? So they uh, don't have the Arizona, emotion. yeah, yeah. You know, they don't have the emotional attachment. I'm sure to Ted Williams that we do. So, you know, obviously there's no excuse for that kind of craziness, but it's not altogether surprising given. Uh, you know, the state of affairs in the world today. Yeah, I guess they, they posed for pictures with his frozen head and body. It, it, I mean, it, it just sounds like a not a first-class operation anyway. First of all, it operates out of a strip mall. Oh, boy. And they're using uh, tuna cans to hold frozen heads up. I mean, it seems to me like it yeah. was the science is there, so let's just use it. <laughs> not really uh, people that were forward-thinking in this. So it's going to be great someday when uh, they don't pay the electric bill and those freezers all get shut down. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to imagine the smell. But you know, you are and you are a baseball fan, and as we said before, Lauren Coleman is a big baseball fan. And every year, uh, you you've been doing this thing with Banal of America, where you have your your annual baseball show, where you talk about the sport and take a break from the esoteric subjects. And I, I got to ask you what you think of the Sox's chances are in the playoffs coming up. Uh, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't, that's probably not even the right description. I'm hopeful, but. I'm pessimistic. Actually, that's the best way to put it. You know, I'd like them to really, uh, I'd like them to do well, but it just seems like they haven't really clicked lately. I'm hoping that maybe they're, in, you know, kind of in, you know, in neutral here till October starts, till the playoffs start. But, you know, it's been a little, uh, it's kind of been a weary season. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has seemed to have taken a toll, but they are, I mean, they are coming back up on an upswing, so let's hope that, uh, it's kind of a catch-22 here on WBSM, because I know the hardcore spooky South Coast fans that don't care about baseball are like, just lose already, so the show comes on right at 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I get the emails from folks who wonder why we do a baseball show, but, you know, yeah, the whole point of the thing is really to take a break from the esoteric, because some people are just so obsessed with this stuff that it's kind of scary. So, you know, that's, that's true. And and some people are like that with baseball though too. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
It, well, so. on the latest season, I mean, you've had a number of uh, intriguing guests. Just talk about some of the people that you've had the chance to, to talk to for season four. Uh, well, probably the most talked about one and the most uh, popular one was a three-episode arc with Bruce Rux. And he's probably only known really to the hardcore uh, UFO people, but he wrote an amazing 600-page book back uh, in 1997 or so called uh, Hollywood vs. the Aliens, which chronicles the history of the portrayal of ETs and UFOs in movies from, like, 1940 up until 1996. And uh, it's amazing. It's a masterpiece of a book. And shockingly, well, someone had requested Bruce to be on the show, like, two years ago, and it took me, like, it took me two years to find him. And it turns out he has no website or no web presence, kind of dropped out of the field, hadn't done an interview in 10 years was the last time he did an interview was on coast to coast and uh never obviously had done a podcast before so uh we finally tracked him down turned out he was an amazingly cool guy we still email back and forth he's really a lot like me total pop culture junkie and was amazingly generous with his time and we taped two hours and i had you know with a 600 page book and i read the books of every guest that comes on the show so i always try to have the most thorough questions i can so with a 300 with a 600 page book I mean, that's a lot of questions. Sure. So when we sat down to tape it on a Friday afternoon, we went two hours, and he was like, all right, you can just call back next week if you want. We can keep going until till you're done. So we ended up taping six hours of material. Wow. And broke it out over three weeks, you know, over three weeks and three installments. Called it the Rux Trilogy. Everybody, I got so much email for that one um, that it was just an amazingly popular episode. So, I mean, that was, you know, probably one of the highlights of the season for me. And that's what I, I love about your format and the, and the way that you handle things is you're not restricted, really, by anything except yourself and where the conversation will take you. And, and the fact that you can decide, all right, well, we're going to break this up over three episodes. And, and, and the fact that you can deliver the show in the format that you do, I mean, I, I hate to say... Uh, I mean, I hope to say that that's the future of radio. Not, of course, sitting here behind a microphone here on an actual radio station. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see it stay financially viable uh, as well. But, I mean, just to, to be able to have the discussions that you can have and, and not worry about how does this play to the general audience because you know that your listeners are there. It's it's a direct audience that's there for that purpose, and, and you take them on an amazing journey each time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, podcasts are really radio on demand. So, you know, you're not really going to – if someone doesn't like the content or doesn't like the guest or something, they're just not going to listen. But you don't really have to worry about ratings or anything like that or, you know, people shutting off, uh, <laughs> you know, shutting off the radio or something. You know, you're really beholden to nobody but the listeners. And so it allows for a lot more, uh, you know, grassroots sort of take on stuff. People want guests and – they can email me, and I'll, you know, I'll do my best to get them on the show, although you know, we get so many guest requests that it's tough. And that's the other thing, too, is a number of these people that you have on the show, I mean, there's so many podcasts, as we said before, there's so many podcasts popping up all over the world about various topics, and especially in this field, because it's right now it's in that pop culture mindset of, you know, let's start a radio show because we like this topic and <laughs> yeah. we can do it. And What's different about your show is you're getting guests that would normally turn down 99% of the requests to appear on these other programs, but you're, you know, Banal of America is respected enough that these people come on and, and through the friendships you've been able to forge with them, you're able to get them to talk to an audience that might only otherwise get a chance to hear them say on Coast to Coast. 
Yeah, we do pretty well in that regard. I mean, I'm really fortunate and lucky, and, uh, you know, a lot has to do with luck. I'll be the first person to admit it. I'm not one of those people that toots my own horn about the quality of the show or, you know, that I'm the toughest critic there is of, of been all of America. I can tell you that much for sure. Um, you know, but it's it's cool. We strive to get the people that are, like, the hardest to get. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like, because there's so many shows out there that uh, you have to go above and beyond, really, to... to to stand out. So that's why you have to go get a Bruce Rocks who hasn't done an interview in 10 years. Or we had Klaus Vaughn on, who runs an amazing organization called UFO Sweden. Uh, direct from Sweden, we had him on the program, never done an American interview before. So, you know, you got to find the diamonds in the rough, really, because otherwise there's a lot of shows that just interview the same people over and over and over again. And we're lucky in a sense because we're a seasonal format. So we run really only about nine months of the year. And we're not beholden to have to fill the slot every week, so we're not totally, you know, we can kind of assemble the season in a way like an album or like a set and put it together that way and plan it out almost like a TV show where we're not like, oh, no, what are we going to do here? Yeah, and, and, you know, you don't want to get into the situation like we are where sometimes you're not sure if you're going to go on the air tonight because the Red Sox (laughs) are playing. All right, well, we have a call on the line here. If you'd like to call in, 508-996-0500 are the numbers. Uh, 1-877-996-1420. You know, I only really got to remember the 877 part. The other numbers are pretty self-explanatory. All right, good evening. You are on the air on Spooky South Coast with Tim Benall. How you doing? Hey, hi, Tim and Tim. Hey, what's up, guy? <laughs> hey, this is uh, Sean from Rosendale. Hey, I Sean. Every week. Awesome. And um, I, I wanted to... Touch base on the, the UFO thing from a few weeks ago when you yes. guys were talking about it being uh, seen over, you know, Massachusetts and everything. So I myself went online trying to find out what, you know, if they found any info on it. And uh, it said it was there was a satellite launch from Virginia. That's, yeah, that's what I got out of it. It was a from from what I understand, it was a NASA rocket that was launching weather testing equipment uh, into the upper atmosphere. Uh, something that it was doing with clouds in cloud formations and that it actually created its own cloud and that was as it as the rocket that deposited the the uh, equipment came crashing back down to earth and the cloud was made behind it that accounted for what people were seeing in that cone shaped uh smoke type thing that was descending excellent um i just wanted to say that uh i you know i didn't know tim banal at all i didn't know about his radio show but when i went on the uh Trip through the Harkamark Swamp. Um, someone told me to check out, you know, his website. Is this Hiawachi? The Harkamark Swamp. There, we we did the uh, tour through there a few weeks. Well, it's a couple months ago, but um, you know, then I checked out Banal American, and I found all these awesome um, audio interviews that were phenomenal. I mean, uh, I saw Bruce Rux's name there, and I had the the book Architects of the Underworld. Years ago, and uh, then I saw, and that was a phenomenal interview, the interview with Timothy Good, and then um, the last one was John Lear, which which really blew me out of the water when when he talked about uh, his take on the 9/11, um, what he thought brought the towers down. I would, that was totally out there, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just it, that just blew me away, and I and I had to think that over, you know, but was, um, oh you know, I. I I, if it, anybody's listening and hasn't checked out Tim's uh, site, there it, it, it's it's unbelievable. It's really really done well, Tim. Thank you very much, Sean. The check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really 
See, I get I get into this stuff when I was younger. I'm a little older than you guys, but there was a there was a talk radio guy in Boston called Larry Glick on WBZ. Oh yeah, legend in, in the '60s. And I used to listen to him at night, and he would have Edward Rose Snow on talk, talking about the ghosts in Boston Harbor. Um, he took, used to talk about the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle and all these other stuff. That get my mind going, and you know, he had Betty and Barney Hill on there, and I mean, just listen to that stuff when you were. You know, I was probably, you know, 12 years old at that time, 13, and, uh, and it just opened my eyes up to, and the ears up to this type of thing, just, uh, and you guys are continuing on, you know? Well, uh, Tim, you're a Syracuse grad. You, you studied radio and television, and I'm sure you can agree, the, the talk show host in the Larry Glick vein, those days are kind of over. Um, Everything's been so segmented and, and compartmentalized, and now everything's about, you know, at 45 pass we do this, at 15 pass we do this, that uh, you don't really get guys like Larry Glick anymore on the radio. I mean, sure, you, I mean, George, I, I don't want to push another radio station here, but uh, you, we got Jordan Rich, who is kind of carrying on that Larry Glick vein, um, but it just seems like it's few and far between now. Yeah, yeah. It seemed, well, you know. Radio's become really nationalized in a lot of ways, so it's just even harder for people to find their way in. So, we're, you know, we have a lot of legends and stuff, and, and, you know, only a few people that are sort of breaking in. Yeah. You know, it's tough. It's a tough field, really. Uh, that's why the podcasting thing's kind of exploded. And, and, and Sean, I'm sure you've probably heard in, in some of your listening, if you hear some of the older tapes, uh, Long John Nebel. Are you familiar with that name? No. No, uh, Long John Nebel's like the uh, he was like the Art Bell before Art Bell. He he had a right. uh, he sort of was the pioneer of national paranormal radio, pretty much. And if you look online, you can find some of his shows. Uh, Archive.org, which is a lot of the um, a lot of the public domain stuff. Yeah. They have some shows up there. I, I recommend definitely checking that out and seeing who it was that guys like Larry Glick must have heard on the air that gave them the idea of welcoming this audience into their program. Yeah, Larry Glick was awesome. I mean, uh, you know, talking about the Bermuda Triangle, having no idea what he was talking about, and then, um, you know, then looking that stuff up on my own before computers and, you know, putting pieces together and, you know, kind of finding things out on my own and, uh, you know, getting into this, um, you know, into this UFO and uh, some of this other stuff that's out there, you know, picking up books here and there and, uh, you know, coming across Bruce Rocks, reading that, then getting the book on the Hollywood and the Alien thing, that was so, it was such a complicated book to read. I got like maybe a quarter way through it, I just couldn't handle it, you know? Very, yeah. very deep. Yeah, yeah, some of these books are, you know, it's a real, you really got to sit down and hunker down and read the stuff, you know, and a lot of people just don't read too much anymore, so. Well, and I was going to say, you know, that's one of the that's one of the things that I'm pretty adamant about, and I know you are as well, as you said, Tim, I, I try to read everything that we talk about on the show at least, if not more, uh, than what we talk about on the show. And too many people that are doing what we are trying to do here aren't doing that. They're not researching. They're not reading the material. And how can you not? How do you know where to bring a discussion if you haven't read? I mean, if I handed you a paper with ten questions, and, and of course this is totally blowing up my, my paranormal public relations business that I have on the side, <laughs> but if I hand you a list of 10 questions, how are you really getting into the depth of the story about that? And and that's what's good about Banal of America is you can't fudge that show. <laughs> you can't go in there with a list of 10 prepared questions that uh, a PR person handed you and, and pull off what it is that you do. No, we've tried a few times, you know, with, with some guests and stuff, but they always sort of devolve into more of a jam session anyway where it's just, 
us talking about stuff that's going on and and their material in a completely freeform way, which is kind of what we're going to try to do with that roundtable. You know, is just just take it where it leads. Excuse me, Tim. The 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 interview you did with um, John Lear. Now, I really didn't know anything about him, and then once he started talking, um, you know, he he was he's the one that opened the eyes of other people and um, set their careers on the path and. He's sitting back, really not doing much in interviews, and you're able to get the guy on the on the radio when he opens up. It's just like you you get him started, and they just they just go. Yeah, well, that's kind of my my policy and style with the show. Really, is to not necessarily like too vehemently challenge the guests. I got some, you know, I got a fair a smattering of feedback from people with on the John Lear episode in particular, because with John Lear, it's like you could challenge him on you know, 90% of what he's talking about. But if you did that, it would just be two hours of gridlock, I think. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I, I disagree that our job, and I'm all about journalistic integrity because being a journalist and, and having this format that we do, I feel like you do, you are beholden to some principles. Uh, but I don't think it's our job to question the guests. Exactly. It's our job yeah. to be a facilitator of the discussion of what the guest is all about, and then that's why we have open phone lines on this program so that people can question it. And in your format, you know, you invite them to to come back and revisit the topic with you in various different ways. So it's it's not our job to call. We're, we're not we're not here to to expose somebody or to to ruin somebody's career. We're here to be a facilitator. That doesn't mean we can't question what they're talking about, right. but we can attack them. And, and that's where we do get a lot of criticism ourselves of, you know, sometimes you give people a free pass. Well, we're not giving them a free pass. We're just giving them the opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. I had Bill Burns on a couple of years ago and we were talking about this and he made uh, the pretty good uh, statement. You know, we're not the referees, mm -hmm. you know, we, no one made us the referees and, and it's not our place to really do that. And I don't really think, that you get the best out of the guests in, in some instances in that situation. Because then they turtle, you know, they turn into a turtle. They get all, you know, they tighten up. And, and with my show, you know, I try to get them to laugh a few times within the first half hour or so because then they really seem to loosen up and, and we have a good time. All right, John. Well, thanks for checking in. All thanks, right, I'll John. See I'll see you in a couple see, weeks, buddy. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, take it easy. All right, bye-bye. And uh, that that's something that you you do see it from time to time. It does get confrontational. Um You'll listen to some shows, and I know you know coast to coast is something that you pay very close attention to. And I I go back to uh, when when George Norrie had Sylvia Brown on the air. Oh yeah. And and she was kind of exposed as a fraud, and I I just don't think that that was handled correctly. But there was George stuck in that position of if I go if I cross this line, uh, I'm not being. I'm no longer being objective, and I'm, I'm kind of just being the guy who's trying to make a name for myself by exposing Sylvia Brown. So it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a victim of circumstance with that whole thing. Yeah. It was like an unfolding story of, of the night. and Sylvia had put her foot in her mouth in a big way, and it was sort of like he couldn't really – it was like the elephant in the room. I don't think he could have uh, not <laughs> – you know. Yeah. Not handled it. I don't know, though. It was a long time ago, so. That's why if I ever became a psychic, my rule would be I don't comment on things that are going on in the news right now because I'm going to get exposed because I'm not a psychic. So exactly. that's how it works. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I did notice, too, about the current season of Banal of America is it seems like you're starting to explore the, the ghost topic a little bit more, and I know that that's something that wasn't really something you were strongly delving into in the past. Yeah, well, there's only 
I think I kind of lost interest in UFOs for a little while, and it's kind of coming back around now and has been, like, since the spring. But I, I started to get more interested in the ghost stuff and a lot of, like, this sort of peripheral stuff, like shadow people mm-hmm. and uh, the sleep paralysis, uh, supernatural assault stuff from um, those guys at Soul Smack. And, uh, you know, so some of the more fringe topics. Uh, I don't really do too many ghost episodes, like specifically ghosts. I think I think mostly, you know, just because there's so many other shows out there that are doing ghosts and are, like, solely focused on ghosts that, you know, I don't know if I would be able to do as good a job. So when I do them, they're sort of few and far between, and I like to think that that improves the quality, I guess, of, <laughs> of my interview with, with some of these ghost experts. Well, I mean, it's just... It's like you said, the elephant in the room with Sylvia Brown. It's kind of become that when you're talking about things that are esoteric. I mean, it's so prevalent now, and it's it's in people's everyday conversation that you kind of can't talk around it anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just huge right now, and uh, in a way, it's kind of like uh, I know Lauren Coleman put a post about this on Crypto Mundo, but it's kind of in a way, it's kind of unfortunate because a lot of the people like like me and you guys and and you know are doing the legwork and stuff, and then some Hollywood fat cats are, are taking some of these stories and stuff and, and taking just the whole idea of the paranormal, and they're making a lot of money off of this. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're just, like, slugging away here in the pit. Yeah, there'll just be a lot of characters loosely based on us in future movies. <laughs> Which I'm fine with, except, uh, you know, I, I want final deciding on the casting. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, Brad Pitt. I'm not Kevin James. Oh, no. <laughs> That's well, actually, have you gotten that a lot, the Kevin James? <laughs> I do I do get that from time to time, yeah. Actually, he was in my town filming a movie, and people were asking me if I was going to go volunteer to be a stunt double. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, if I get his paycheck, sure, why not? <laughs> well, so what's coming up with Banal of America? What's the future plans? We're going to do an amazing, massive relaunch of the website, actually, uh, in mid-November, it's called, uh, we're just calling it right now sort of like code name, uh, BOA 2.0. And, um, you know, I, I'm pretty good at the web design, obviously. I, I did you guys' website. Yes, um, thank you for that. But I think just the needs of my site have just completely outstripped the time that I have. And I really wanted to give it like a fresh look, and I just don't have the time to do that. And I don't know if I have really uh the coding skills to make it really look as fresh as I want it. So we have a guy who's a big BOA supporter and he's a member of our forum and stuff and he sort of volunteered to give me a hand and then submitted a few of uh like the specs on what I'd been looking for. They just completely blew me away. So uh when people see the uh BOA 2.0 in mid November, they're going to be just shocked at how professional this looks. It looks like a you know, it looks like a mainstream, real website as opposed to the site we have now, which is cool, uh, but it's kind of drudgian, which is fine and kind of went along with what we were all about. But here we are. We're starting our fifth year of this show, so it's kind of time to grow up a little bit and, uh, you know, have the website look as slick as we can. So, And, and really it's going to be unlike many, many other uh, podcast websites because we studied – you know, what other podcasts are doing with their websites and their audio archives, and we really try to go in a completely different direction. So it's going to be really quite amazing. Well, you're entering year five, and coming up in January, we'll be entering year five. And when you put that into perspective, we're really just entering kindergarten here. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, this just gets more insane every year. It gets more interesting every year, and, and uh, you know, we got 2012 coming up, and, 
you never know. Ghost hunting is huge right now. Look like UFOs was going to be big. I have a feeling that these peripheral mysteries are going to start making a comeback uh, with that new show, Mystery Quest, which I, I've been really enjoying so far, though I didn't really like the Zodiac episode this week. but um, And you can kind of feel that they're really ringing ghost hunting for <laughs> for all it's worth, like you were talking about in the news segment with the celebrity ghost hunting, sh- uh, celebrity ghost stories show. I mean, that's once we're getting to that point, we're reaching oversaturation. Anytime Scott Baio was involved in a field, that <laughs> field is on the decline. <laughs> Whether it be acting or singing or, you know. That's um, true. BH1 was putting out some good shows until uh, they started with his show. Charles is no longer in charge. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to wrap it up for this week, Tim, but we thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll get out to see you at the Mass Mystery Weekend, and that is coming up. Don't forget. It's coming up uh, Friday, October 16th, Saturday the 17th, Sunday the 18th. You can go to MassMystery.com for more information or to purchase tickets. And Banal of America is the website. Also, Twitter.com slash Banal, and that's B-I-N-N-A-L-L. Is that how you, you know, is that like your own little Tigger spelling? What's that? That's, that... the, that's the Twitter, yeah, B-I-N-N-A-L-L. That's... Is that like Tigger, T-I-G-G-E-R, you know, whatever he said, Tigger? I no? suppose. <laughs> Not a Winnie the Pooh fan, Tim, are you? No, no, it's a little... I think it might be before my time, believe it or not. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. As long as you get to Banal of America, you're doing all right. All right. Well, hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate all it. Right, we'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Have a good one. All right. That is Tim Banal, and we'll be here next week. Uh, we don't know what we'll be, when we'll be on because we got to wait and see what happens with the, the baseball playoffs and how things are going. But as soon as we know, we'll put it up on our Twitter Twitter.com slash SpookySC, which will put it right up on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com as well. And we're going to have all kinds of stuff planned for you coming up in the month of October, including our big Halloween spooky ghost story night. So uh, you don't want to miss that. So until next time, for Matt Costa, for Matt Moniz, have a couple more for us. <laughs> I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. AM 1420, it's WBSM, wants to make your ass. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.